Involve. Solve. Evolve. Welcome to Cloud Crunch, the podcast for any large enterprise planning on moving to or is in the midst of moving to the cloud. Hosted by the cloud computing experts from Second Watch, Michael Elliott, Executive Director of Marketing, and Fred Bliss, CTO of All Things Data at Second Watch. And now, here are your hosts of Cloud Crunch. Welcome back to a new season of Cloud Crunch. In this season, we are going to focus on AWS reInvent, the biggest cloud conference in the world. Our intent is to enable you, the viewer, the opportunity to immerse yourself in how cloud has evolved since last year on topics like preparing and building a center of excellence, extracting data insights, managing a cloud native environment and data center evacuation. Joining me today is Fred Bliss, CTO of Data Insights and Jason Mouths, Executive Director of the Data Insights Practice here at Second Watch. Welcome to Cloud Crunch, Fred and Jason. Thanks for having us. Thanks, good to be here. So the focus of this video cast is building a center of excellence for machine learning and AI. And I, I have to admit, you know, I've seen a lot around machine learning and AI, but I'm not very knowledgeable when it comes to this subject. So I'm going to be asking a lot of questions and try to try to act as the audience as I learn along with you. So how has AI changed? You know, can you kind of give us a, a history of how AI has really evolved over the years and then how that really starts to play into data and analytics? Yeah, I mean, that's. I think looking at the history is important here, and <laughs> given we're we're a podcast of uh, that's uh, not going to be several hours, I'll try to cut to the chase. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, it starts with the stats, right? And we've seen this evolve over the years. There's been a lot of money, uh, a lot of VC money, a lot of private equity money, a lot of software product uh, marketing going into this over the last couple of years. But I think there's things that are fundamentally different today uh, than even uh, they were a year ago or even uh, a couple of years ago. So I think if you look at the tool, uh, the, the big auto ML tools like data robot, um, the idea was to empower uh, non-technical users and um, even some data scientists to be able to leverage different models to find the most accurate one. Um, and I think there were a couple problems, right? One, uh, a lot of, big or enterprise organizations didn't quite know what they wanted to do with it. And today, a lot still don't, right? They were um, they were looking to some of these auto ML AI solutions to solve problems that in many cases could have been solved through traditional rules-based ones. And in other cases, um, trying to kind of invent problems. <laughs> and I think what's fundamentally different today <clears throat> is that uh, the different machine learning models out there, um, they've evolved and they've matured in a way that uh, it's highly unlikely, unless you're working at something like Google or Facebook, um, that you're going to be inventing a new model for your use case. Uh, with the evolution of large language models over the last couple of months, look at OpenAI's GPT-3, um, what's happening with, uh, you know, even just uh, 
stable diffusion and all these um, uh, these models out there, we're moving from a model-centric AI world to a data-centric one. And now, given the kind of the intersection of compliance and data privacy and uh, AI ethics, bias, explainability, these black box tools that produce you know, predictions and results aren't going to cut it anymore. Now it's all about how did you train this model? What was the data you used? And how can we leverage some of these large language models um, that exist today to create new solutions? Yeah, I mean, if, if you think about the history of AI, like AI is really just another word for, you know, predictive analytics. Uh, you know, it's been around for, for a long time. It's really taking data, using that data to help predict outcomes. Um, you know, tools today have evolved you know, thinking back, you know, in time, like even even the to data robot, you know, tools have evolved that it they are making them so so much easier for even you know business users to to use. So um, the really the key to all of that is really having a, a a data platform and where that data has been curated and it is really ready for for artificial intelligence for data science use cases. Is it moving though beyond predictive and starting to get into prescriptive? Yeah, I mean that's that's the big dream, right? Is there's a whole field of research around um, uh, a lot of money being thrown into uh, using AI to basically uh, do anything for us to automate everything. That's uh, that's a whole uh, whole can of worms that we probably won't get into here. But let's think about some of the um, the more interesting enterprise use cases, right? Well, yeah, and, and and how does that apply to you know, like say healthcare? How does this apply into the healthcare industry or insurance industry or private equity industry? How are they using these tools, you know, machine learning and AI, to recognize trends or to be able to solve problems or look look ahead? Yeah, think about um, healthcare or even uh, pharma. Um, if uh, if you're trying to do clinical trials for a new pharma drug that let's say uh, targets cancer. Um, the biggest problem isn't really necessarily what models am I gonna use to try to predict uh, you know, whether or not this drug is gonna work. <laughs> um, the biggest problem is uh, in the case of like these large language models like OpenAI, what made them successful? It was the immense amount of data that they had to train on. You know, you had the entire internet <laughs> to, train, uh, to train this data on. Uh, the same thing with uh, some of the AI art. You had all these images across the entire internet to use. Now, if you're thinking about trying to create a new drug that targets cancer, um, what's your limitation? It's how do you find enough doctors to go look through, let's say, radiology uh, imaging or um, you know CT scans and say, yep, this is cancer right here, and it's this type of cancer. Nope, this one isn't. And you're basically just going next, next, next. Imagine like those CAPTCHAs that you got <laughs> where you're identifying traffic lights, because what you're doing in those things to prove you're a human is to train you know, Google's self-driving car algorithm. <laughs> and in this case, we don't have enough doctors that have the time to go through and label data. And so I think this is the biggest gap right now um, that's preventing some of the bigger use cases from moving forward. But with the introduction of some things like synthetic data, um, tools like Snorkel AI uh, are starting to do some of these things and the ability to create ML tooling and labeling uh, um, uh, intake tools 
for um, for enterprises, we can start to democratize the labeling process and the intake process and the review process to generate that training data and make it better and better and better. So what about use case for private equity? I mean, you're talking about cancer and private equity seems like it's completely data driven. You can get your hands on the data versus radiology images with HIPAA requirements and everything around that. Tell me a use case of how this works for private equity. I think a good one for private equity is actually, um, again, it's back to the boring stuff, right? It's if you think about um, a private data equity company, is never boring. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> if you think about a private equity company, though, um, let's say let's take a boring one, right? A boring sector. Uh, let's say they're acquiring, uh, I don't know, uh, car washes, <laughs> and every month they're acquired, they're buying a new car wash in a different part of the country. Uh, what's going to be the biggest time suck in all of that? And um, uh, you know what they want to know throughout this whole thing? It's all that document review. They're going to want to comb through all these contracts. They're going to want to comb through every piece of uh, information that uh, is going to be costly from a time standpoint in getting that company acquired um, to finding out if this is a company we should acquire. And three, all the legal costs that go into that, <laughs> looking through all these PDFs. So what we can do now with um, some of these large language models and the, the tools that assist in labeling this data is to extract that data from the contracts um, to start to figure out what do we care about in this contract and labeling it so that an entire paragraph could essentially be summarized down to um, so-and-so is true, right? Is this profitable or is this a risk? Yes or no. That's the real power, I think. And you can apply that to almost any document type out there or any, um, you know, any PDF, any document for insurance, it's claims processing. There's so much untapped information out there in um, in these uh, these big unstructured data documents um, that there's there's just so many use cases that have just been unlocked. Yeah, I mean, even 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 for insurance, like being able to you know take historical quote data and and help help use or use that data to really predict whether or not you should provide a policy to a, a potential policyholder, right? So you can use that data. You can really apply a lot of different um, different AI models and and use different variables to to help predict um, whether or not you should you know increase your your policy because you know the the potential policyholder um, had some accidents in in the past or um, really using data from all of your policyholders to understand if if this new quote is going to be an issue for your insurance company. Yeah, and Jason, I think you just hit the, the nail on the head on what's different this time. And, um, you know, if you look to some of the laws that New York put out around um, uh, being able to use AI for screening candidates, it's the same thing here for insurance, right? If you don't understand how your algorithm and what data is being used to train whether or not we should accept this applicant or whether this would be a risky person, um, you're going to have a hard time with regulators, right? If you're rejecting a person for the wrong reasons, that's no good, right? But it's also a, no good to accept people uh, for the wrong reasons. So you got to have a lot of faith in what's coming out of this model, which means it's all the way back to how you train and label this data yep. um, and, and the ability to explain it and the transparency going into it. That's what's fundamentally different this time around. So then Jason, how do you start building these type of solutions? 
Well, I mean, I, I think I think the key here is just making sure your data is ready for it. I, I think a lot of uh, you know organizations start with, "Hey, I want I, it's the big shiny object in the in the room. I, I want data science. I want AI." Um, but a lot of times, what we find is that they're not ready for it. They don't have an enterprise data warehouse. They don't have um, their data curated. Um, their data really ready for. Um, AI and ML. And so, you know, really building these solutions, if, if you build it up front, you build that data platform, you can enable a lot of different data science use cases. And so really starting with that platform, getting the data ready, cleaning it, um, transforming it so that it's ready for AI and ML is how you should start these type of projects. Well, I imagine most enterprises don't have probably that skill set yet in-house. So how, how should they engage with, with help making that happen? I think that's, that's, that's the big difference now, right, is uh, in organizations maturity, it, it's going to be different in every organization, right? Sometimes they've got data science teams that are part of the business. Sometimes they're separate teams. Sometimes they're part of IT. Sometimes they're sitting in their own little world. Right? Or sometimes they but, don't even exist in the organization, right, Fred? I mean, we, we see that as well. Yeah, sometimes uh, you've got a data science application out there, but really what they want is someone to make dashboards, which is one of the most uh, <laughs> uh, uh, painful things for people in the field. But I think where you have to start and where we're seeing a company start now is what's different this time is I'm hearing businesses, uh, business leaders um, talk about problems that uh, and asking how they solve them. And they're not saying, hey, how do we solve this with AI? These just happen to be business problems that, hey, they are now solvable by AI. <laughs> and that's what's different this time around. It's not just what, what should we use? What, what use case should we come up with? So I think where we can start now is um, is more around an AI strategy, right? Like how do we create that center of excellence and the internal tooling that they need? Uh, because what you don't want to do as an organization, unless you're really, really small, is you don't want to outsource all your IP to some third-party um, AI company that's going to go build this model for you. In the case of that PE company buying car washes, they do this enough times, they're going to have an awesome model with a lot of really good training data to be able to understand and have a good flow for acquiring car washes. That's really valuable IP. Um, paying another company to go build that for you, and then they own that? I don't know. Is it worth it? Depends the scale, I think, right? But those are some of the questions that I think you need to ask. And um, building the right teams and structures in place and having a good strategy um, for what you're going to build, how, and how you're going to scale it, and what the right team structures are, super important, right? Especially with data privacy laws coming in. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree with Fred uh, more. I mean, really, you you need to, again, have a, a strategy around the AI ML strategy. Um, you know, Second Watch offers a data readiness, a, a data science readiness um, offering that that really looks at your data, looks at some of your use cases, um, sees really we're exploring whether or not you have enough data to really make it an effective use case um, for data science. So um, we're, we're working with the business in those assessments to, to really understand what you're trying to do, what the data environment looks like, um, and what, what different kind of variables that you want to use when you're, you're building your models to, to help predict and, and really solve for that use case. So couldn't agree more that a, a data strategy, a, a data science 
uh, readiness strategy is is really important to, to engage first on so you have that that solid plan. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Fred and Jason, for joining us today. Uh, it, very interesting conversation for me around building a center of excellence for machine learning and AI. As you think about the attendees going to reinvent, any final words of advice for them as they they, they want to, you know, most most reinvent, they, they want to learn. So any words of advice for them? Uh, what are some of the things that are not being automated within your company? Think about that, right? Again, what are some of the, you know, unstructured data is an easy place to start. Um, don't jump just to the, what can we start predicting? Because the first thing you need to get is buying and trust into leveraging ML within your organization. So what's something that you can solve for today and get moving? Excellent. Well, thank you for listening to our show. This video cast is intended to add value to any large enterprise that is planning on moving to or currently focus on leveraging the value of the cloud. Send your comments or suggestions to cloudcrunch at secondwatch.com and see it reinvent. You've been listening to Cloud Crunch with Michael Elliott and Fred Bliss. For more information, check out the blog secondwatch.com forward slash cloud dash blog or reach out to Second Watch on Twitter and LinkedIn. 